This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Huracan 2017. Crush your enemies, drive them before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. Delve into the many aspects of the Dark Ages at Huracan 2017 from September 28th through October 1st and experience the best historical miniature gaming convention in Florida. Hosted by the Historical Miniatures Gaming Society South Chapter, Huracan offers both the novice and the veteran hobby gamer a fantastic weekend of tabletop excitement and camaraderie. There will be over 100 different game events across nine scheduled sessions. These activities will include war games, role-playing games, and board games across a wide range of time periods, genres, and rule systems. In addition to the games, there will be merchant vendors selling game product and fast and furious flea market loaded with hidden treasures and fantastic deals. And there will also be some of the most talented and friendly gamers with whom you ever could hope to share a game table. Huracan 2017 will be held at the Park Inn by Radisson Resort and Conference Center in Kissimmee, Florida, just off of U.S. Highway 192. Special convention rate hotel rooms are $82 per night, plus tax, with no additional resort fees. Convention pre-registration admission price is $25 for HMGS South members or $40 for non-members. For more information, visit hmgs-south.com and follow the links to Huracan 2017. The Dark Ages don't miss out. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Retro Game Treasure. Retro Game Treasure is an amazing monthly subscription service. They send you custom tailored boxes straight to your door from the video games that you love. You go on there, you have a wish list, you have your console of choice. They'll send you games from an assortment of consoles like NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Sega CD, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Game Gear, Game Boy Color, Xbox, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and many more. Now announcing they are delivering straight to you Nintendo DS games and PSP games. What did listeners of the Happy Hour get, Deuce? Put in Happy Hour in the promo box and you'll get $2 off your order. Remember, with Retro Game Treasure, you get classic video games delivered every month. Go to RetroGameTreasure.com, pick your consoles, set your preferences, and add to your wish list. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce Hello, Antoinette. Yeah, we back in the fact. Don't know you had a long day, but let us inject. Sit back, relax, and have some cold beer. Gotta pay a few bills. Yeah, we're all clear. And it's Deuce on the loose. You know the tag team champs. Man, we get the biggest pop when we hit the ramp. The outlaws of the new age. And we still got love for the retro ways. You know, Nintendo. Sega Genesis, so many systems, your dreamcast and reminisce. So pull back the curtain and hit the booth, cause it's the happy hour podcast with Johnny and Duke. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Alex Mill, former WWE superstar, and you're listening to the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack. Of course, I got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man, we're the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. We're a twice-weekly podcast 
dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. Mm-hmm. And every episode starts off with a good old deuce salute. Yes, sir. Ah, good, time. good times. Cheers, man. And cheers. you know what this cheers is for, sir? It's episode number 300. 300. Yes, sir. Yeah. And we have a very, very special guest. We are so glad. Uh, we have been doing this show for over three years now. We're at episode number 300, and we have with us our childhood hero, Mr. Al Snow himself. Yes, welcome. Wow, you guys had a really twisted childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like uh, like I hope said, can, hope you can work that out in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like I said, a, as a kid growing up and, and growing up in high school through the Attitude Era, you were one of our favorites. So to actually have you on the show, and especially being Mister Three Hundred, that truly is an honor and a privilege for us. So thank you, sir. Thank you, Reggie Jackson. Ain't got nothing on me. I'm now Mister Three Hundred. <laughs> I'm Mr. End of August. There you go. There you go. Good times. Good times indeed. Uh, so we, uh, you know, Deuce and I, just give a little backstory on us. We've been watching wrestling since, uh, I mean, three years old. I mean, yeah. since as, as early as you can recall wrestling. You know, oh, yeah. I, I always told the story. I grew up watching a Saturday Night Main Event with my dad yeah. and uh, loved that. I mean, just growing on. And, and Deuce and I, we've known each other for 20 years and went to school together and, uh, we decided one day to sit down and do a podcast because yeah. uh, we talk a lot anyways and drink beers. And Dad we like, and the CPA told us if we started, uh, allegedly, if we'd started doing a podcast, we could pay for these beers, you know, uh, non-tax credit dollars. Like, uh, wow. yeah. That's like, fantastic. Yeah. I, I wonder if I start a podcast, we can pay for trucker crankers. There well, I, I can tell you right now, <laughs> uh, talk to your CPA, because if you start a podcast, there's a wonderful world, allegedly, of things you can write off. Exactly. So, good yeah, times. You, you need to get you a good CPA. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a list of prostitutes I'm ready to write off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Well, you better call Saul on that one. Yeah. Which our, yeah. not, our CPA is probably only about three steps above Saul. True. And, and then it's a very small three steps. It's true. Those are the best kind. Yeah. Because they, they know exactly what's going oh, down yeah. and what's up. So yeah. it makes it so, so much easier. Oh, yeah. Good times. Perfect. Good times. And and for the TSA that's listening or the NSA that's listening, um, you know, we're just kidding. So. It's all joke. It's all good fun. Yeah, it's all good fun. Allegedly, that's where a legal department Just says. Say allegedly, he says if good. we pepper enough allegedly's on it, that we'll be okay <laughs> in court. So yeah, yeah. So good times. Uh, so of course, you know, wrestling. Uh, you know, we're st- wrestling still a big business today. Huge, huge. Uh, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you have like a you have a wrestling school or wrestling thing that you're doing as well? Yeah, I have a I have a wrestling school, uh, Al Snow's Wrestling Academy in London, England. Um, I have two affiliate schools in Cheshire and in the Midlands in England, and then I have uh, an affiliate school in Denmark, one in Romania, one in Greece, uh, and uh, Chile, Portugal, um, and we're you know working on uh, one in Italy and one in Germany as well right now. Wow, that's wow. impressive. Yeah. That's awesome. Head's gone worldwide. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a way to the get universal it. language, you know? It, 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 is. Is. it really is. It really, it really, is. really is. Yep. So one way to get ahead in life. It, it, so, well, there, there you go. go. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine because I was telling them that you were coming on. They were so excited. I was like, man, back when we were in high school, I loved Al Snow. 
and I didn't know what head was, but I knew I wanted it. And now being an adult, I was like, I totally understand what he's talking about, and I totally agree. But actually, I was I was just so you guys understand, like I legitimately was talking about the the physical head, head of, course, of course. Yeah, 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 because it was you know the 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 whole idea was that I had suffered a nervous breakdown from you know, trying for so many years to be successful. Now, when I was, right. it, you know, I wasn't the thing that wanted, that people wanted or needed or loved. It was, it was head. Yeah. It wasn't me. So, well, you know, I was hoping, and uh, I don't think, you know, I didn't do a good enough job explaining it, but Vince never really got the, uh, the gimmick anyways. I was hoping uh, by doing that, that at some point I would turn heel on the head and I would I'd actually wrestle an angle. Um, with the hat on a regular basis, so that'd be awesome. Well, and that's the thing. What I loved is because uh, I guess it was, if I remember correctly, it was Mick Foley that told you to, to to get further in your career. You need a little head, and then that's when you went and found the oh, head. Uh, that was just a uh, a promo I did. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was all. I just told you know I was I said something to the effect that. You know, to to you know, get ahead, you had to give a little bit. Well, I didn't give it; I got it. There you go. That was how that was, was the promo. How was it working with McFoley? Amazing guy. Just you know, everyone says so many nice things about him. He's just a standout guy. I was just curious to what your history is working with him. Great. I mean, we had terrific on-air chemistry, you know, and uh, and it worked, and we got to do a lot of very entertaining things together. So, yeah, it was always always fun. One thing, uh, watching your matches, I, uh, I'm i a huge fan of technical wrestling. I'm a big fan of learning the moves. Even to this day, like, I I watch everything around, all the wrestling around the world as much as I can. And I remember watching you, and I'd just be blown away by your unique, uh, you know, in-ring ability. Like, you you were one of the first guys that I really saw doing, like, uh, like a wheelbarrow move, you know, to a slam. And, like, I mean, other guys are doing it, but you really kind of uh, elevated it and made it look great. And you put a lot well, of you. emphasis into it. And I wanted to kind of know who trained you. Where did you Where did you learn? Well, I was trained by uh, a journeyman wrestler by the name of Big Jim Lancaster, who had spent a lot of time in the territories. And, you know, when I started, uh, the territories were still in existence. Um, they didn't start to die off until, like, two, three years later. Um, <clears throat> I got very lucky because well, at the time that I broke in, I'd say uh, probably 90, but 85, 90% of the people in the wrestling business, the wrestlers themselves were, they were either shooters or they were hookers. And, um, for some reason in this area, in the Midwest, uh, in the Ohio, Michigan, Indiana area, there were a lot of, a lot of very, uh, claimed um, former shooters, and there were uh, several pretty pretty significant hookers. Um, and, uh, you know, Al Costello uh, was one of those uh, hookers. You know, he had started like in 1938, I think. And, uh, and for people that don't know, a shooter is an amateur wrestler, somebody who shoots in on you, takes you down, ties you up. A, uh, uh, a hooker he is a guy who is a submission wrestler, a catch wrestler. Um, they hook holes, they hook joints, they they hurt you. They will, you know, they will tie, they'll break you, uh, break your bones. They'll pop your joints um, to get you to give up. And um, um, Al was a very accomplished hooker. 
Um, and uh, I spent a lot of time with Al and learned a lot of different things and learned, I think, from those guys that um, the real mechanics of how uh, the body operates and how you can control and manipulate it to get get people to do what you want. So. Well, how different has it been for you uh, since you've been uh, doing your wrestling schools and whatnot? Because you'll be able to take all that you've learned throughout your many years in the business and be able to apply it pass to the it on. pass it on to the you know people coming up and comers. You know, because the, I, I know one of the most important things that we we hear all the time is like you know you want the fundamentals down before you can do anything else. True, and I train people basically exactly the way I was trained, um, but I don't I don't train people based on what I know. I train everyone based on where I've made mistakes. Um, I always say that <clears throat> um, I did, there's a popular idiom today that you know uh, uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and you are. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to keep it to yourself because uh, it's just an opinion. Um, opinion is the lowest form of human knowledge. It literally takes no information or very little of it to conjugate one. Um, uh, actual knowledge is a combination of information and a commensurate amount of experience so that you have an understanding of the things that you know. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And if you don't have that experience, you just have knowledge or information. If you just have information, then you have nothing more than an opinion. And we all know you can give it to yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, so I have the benefit of uh, 35 years of mistakes. Um, you know, and 35 years of failures. And that allows me um, to teach students to, hey, you don't want to do that, and here's why um, you're likely to not succeed, and here are the mistakes that I made, and here's what you can do to avoid those pitfalls. Wow, that's pretty profound. No, it I, is, mean, I it, think it's very profound. Well, I think the thing is, like, and everyone, when you meet somebody, they, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses when they come right. in, right? Some are better at taking bumps. Some are better at, uh, you know, just doing fundamentals. Some people are better at doing holds. You know, everyone has their own, like, specialties. But before you get into that, it's like you have to kind of know what, you know, the fundamentals, but also know, you know, what your character, like, when you get into the business, what are you trying to perceive? You want to tell right. a story in the ring, you know? Like, no. that's one of the biggest things people always say is, like, sure, you can be a great promo guy, be a guy on the mic, but you got to be able to tell a story in the ring and have good ring in ring psychology. But so I think it's something, Al, yeah. that you actually did very, very well. Yes. Like, you had great in ring psychology, and your segments outside the ring, I always thought that you always told a great story. Like, you always, no matter what it was, we're able to convey the story and move the story along because in the Attitude Era, we were very, very lucky that we had so many different wrestlers doing so many different things. But in my mind, you were the one who always stuck out because no matter what was it, I think it was called GTV or if it was the Hardcore Championship or no matter what it was, ECW, WWF, in my mind, you always stuck out because you were the one that was like the last taste in my mouth. Like you were the one that always kind of uh, went the extra mile and told the extra story. And I think that has a lot to do with you and your personality. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I really appreciate that. It's a very nice compliment. I just, I think I could have done a far better job and taken far greater advantage of the opportunities I was given if I knew then what I know now. Um, and had the understanding that I do now. 
and that's the you know that's the the kick in the in the ass so to speak about professional wrestling because it's an art you know it's the it's the art of physical storytelling um and you only get that understanding the true understanding by you know acquiring experience and making mistakes and then by the time that you acquire enough experience and make enough mistakes you're at a point in time that you're a little too old or physically not as capable or being able to withstand the abuse to be able to capitalize on that experience and being able to then truly be what you're supposed to be in wrestling, which is an attraction or a star. Well, I think one of the things you did, speaking of that amazingly, was your time being a trainer for Tough Enough because I will say this, and anybody can argue with me all day long, Tough Enough was only good when you were on it. The first, well, thank you. <laughs> the first two seasons of Tough Enough were amazing. But then after that, even though you were on seasons after that, but those first two seasons were awesome. Maven, I thought, had a lot of opportunity. He was a great wrestler, a great talent. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was – Maven was great. I really wish they would have done more with him, but I feel like he fell in that niche of – there is so much talent right now. We just don't have time for you because you're a guy that won a reality show. That that's yeah, my opinion. Maven was on a good uh, good pace and a good track. Right. Um, but then what happened was he broke his leg. That's and, right. Yeah, unfortunate accident. And then you know it, it, it It's it's honest to God. A lot of times it's like rolling a ball. You, you lose that momentum, and it's it takes so much more and so much time to get that ball back rolling again. Right. And, you know, sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you get derailed. And uh, and that really, I think, was the, the turning point for Maven was when he, his leg, you know, unfortunately got broken. I mean, he very talented, very charismatic, great-looking guy, knew how to talk, uh, very intelligent. Um, you know, could have been a, a really big star, but it just, it was unfortunately, wasn't meant to be. And also on top of that, like at the time, there was so much talent on the roster. And, and God bless Maven and give a shout out to him. He had a lot of those intangibles, like those things that you just can't teach people. He had them in spades. But like I said, every single season uh, you did of Tough Enough was amazing. And to tell a personal story, uh, you uh, for a hot minute there would come down to Megacon in Orlando uh, oh, yeah. every year. And I remember it was it, the first season of Tough Enough was done. It was right when you had the controversy with Walmart of them taking your figures, action figures, off the shelves. And yeah. I was lucky enough to be there at MegaCon, and they said, look, Al Snow's showing up. And I'm like, holy shit, are you serious? And a guy walked past me, and I was freaking out because you were going to be there. And Tough Enough season two was coming right around the corner. And he said, look, I got to go, but I've got this action figure. I'll sell it to you. I said, how much do you want for it? He told me. I said, give me a minute. I literally <laughs> sprinted past people. Like, I looked like uh, I looked like Rob Gronkowski jumping over people, <laughs> like stiff-arming people to get to an ATM to get the money to pay this guy for the figure. And then I came, and I met you, and you signed the figure. You talked to me for probably 20 minutes because that was right <laughs> after you had done the uh, promo with the steel chair with you were on ice hockey rink in the basically in the goalie spot and it was like oh yeah 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 it was yeah. like we hit harder or something i can't remember exactly what the wording was i don't either but i i remember i, I don't I, I have nothing but respect for for nhl goalies i don't know how they do it yeah 
but you were sitting in the goalie spot and you hit somebody with a chair and then you took the goalie mask off and it was you and it was like season two coming soon on MTV and I talked to you about that. I was like, man, I like hockey. You know, I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, oh, cool, cool. And, like, you spent probably 20 minutes talking to me when I was, goodness gracious, I, was, I wasn't I even 18. Was I think I was, yeah, yeah 17. And, like, you, you spent a long time talking to me. You signed my figure. It's actually still sitting in a very prominent position <laughs> in my office. Yep. Uh, and it, it with my name on it, and and I I love that. And anybody that comes to my office, I always tell them that story because you were yeah. so nice to take time for me to talk to me, and you spent like twenty minutes talking to me, which you did not have to. And I greatly appreciate that, man. Well, no, I appreciate you, you know, being a fan, and you know, I've always understood, um, you know, whenever you're doing autograph signings or anything like that, that one. You know, I'm lucky to do them. I mean, I'm, it's a privilege to get to do them. And two, um, you know, fans don't come to an autograph session to get an autograph. I don't care what it is, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, wrestling, uh, actors. They come because they want to have a moment with the person, you know, that they've come to meet. Not just, the, you know, an autograph or whatever. They want to actually get the chance to talk and interact, even if it's just for one minute or two minutes. They you know, and I, I never have understood when I see other people at, at like Megacon or other places and they're just sitting there with their head down and they just sign and they hand it up and they just, you know, they don't interact, they don't do anything. And it's like, yeah, man, why are you, you know, do you, you realize how lucky you are to, you know, have this job, whatever job it is you're doing. And the fact that these people care enough that they're willing to spend the money to meet you. And, and interact with you even for 30 seconds because let's face it most of us just want somebody to interact with us you know on a regular bit you know on a yeah. real life yeah. basis let alone somebody being willing to spend money to do it so you know i've always been very very uh very blessed and lucky that you know anybody even you know yourself included even cared to to meet me or or have something signed by me or something like that so well, you know i have to tell you thank you well, <laughs> I appreciate it, and, and Johnny, if we have to, can edit this out, but one of my favorite parts of it, you, and it was no fault of your own, your your flight got holed up or something, so you were kind of late that day, and then you got there, and they set up, literally, they were setting the table up while I was standing there in front of you with a figure, and your headshots hadn't come, and you were like, yeah. holy F, like, you know, so-and-so at this and that, hadn't sent my head, like, what the like what am I supposed to sign and well, like literally you're getting yeah. like turd sandwich on top of turd sandwich fed to you and then you still were polite enough and nice enough to sign my figure and be super well, cool about it fault. yeah but <laughs> yeah. at the time I could see in your face you're like this is a bunch of BS like my flight was late I just got here like my headshots aren't here I don't know what up you know but you handled it like a professional in spades sir well, you figure it out, you know, it just, you just, you know, um, you just keep moving. That's all you can do. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, when it's wrestling related, I usually cuss like I'm a sailor with Tourette's. Well, so, like I know. said, I, 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 not that we are a PG podcast by no, any stretch of imagination, so feel free to yeah. say whatever you like. 
because we're definitely R-rated, but uh, it, it, it was awesome to see you. It was awesome to meet you. But here's my next question is uh, yeah. what what's going on with Collar Elbow? Because I've been seeing those shirts all over TV. I've been seeing them at pay-per-views. They're amazing <laughs> shirts. I love them. I, I love the brand. And uh, yeah. especially, I love the new Windy City one you guys just got. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. That, one's really sweet. that one has yeah. been killing it. That's that nice. one was like front row at SummerSlam. It was. Multiple yeah. times. Yep. <laughs> so you got to be pretty happy about that. I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. Um, Collar and Elbow is, <clears throat> was kind of a, uh, got with a, a friend of mine. <clears throat> we were talking, and um, we kind of, you know, there's a couple of, uh, wrestling brands that are out there, but there are none that really were from a wrestler. Um, and not that that matters, but uh, I wanted to do something, I guess, um, that kind of represented the love and the passion that we as fans of wrestling, not just professional wrestling, but wrestling in general. Right. Um, whether it be Catch as Catch Can or Quaker Woman or uh, Freestyle or submission wrestling or MMA or judo or jujitsu, you know, um, I just, I've always, you know, I've always loved it. And I mean, I genuinely just have had a, a, a love affair with wrestling for, you know, even years before I got into professional wrestling. And, you know, that was why we called it collar and elbow was because that every wrestling match, no matter the style, always start with that collar and elbow tie up. Um, it's pretty, pretty, you know, uh, elementary and, uh, you know, we wanted something that, um, was not personality driven. It wasn't a, well, this is Al Snow's or anything like that, that it was representative of wrestling and what we, myself included as fans of wrestling, you know, demonstrate how much we love and, and care for wrestling. And, um, and we wanted to do it in a way style wise and design wise that, you know, you could wear it anywhere and it not just scream out, you know, uh, you know, Oh, he's, there's a wrestling fan. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just that, you know, it's not, you know, you want to show your passion, but it's like wearing a Nike shirt, you know, Nike's identified with, you know, really, you know, um, it's identified with, you know, running and stuff like that. But you can wear a Nike shirt and it doesn't scream that, hey, I'm a runner, you know, or, you know, uh, Under Armour's, you know, associated really with football, with the NFL. Right. But you can wear an Under Armour shirt now and it not be, you know, like screaming, hey, I'm a football fan. And that's the only reason I'm wearing this, you know, because um, there's lots of people that don't like football that wear an Under Armour shirt because... Right of the quality of the material and the style of the shirt. And that was what we really wanted to try to do was create, you know, a, a, a wrestling brand for wrestling fans and for people that just want something really nice to wear. So. Well, and God bless you on that because that's what I like about the brand. Like, I can go to a theme park because we're the number one po podcast in Polk County, which is right next to the Orlando area in Orange County. And so we go to yeah. theme parks all the time, but I can wear a shirt like that. And people that are in the know that are wrestling fans are like, hey, that's cool. I like that. But also, yeah. if I walk by somebody, they're like, oh, that's a cool shirt. And it's got, they don't, it's not like it's a WWE logo shirt or something that screams like, 
I'm a wrestling fan. It's like the people that know, know, and the people that don't are like, hey, that's still cool, which I think is perfect for a brand. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what you want. You want that cross-section. But I also like how you're working with wrestlers, like the Good Brothers. Uh, like, you've yeah. got a Good Brothers shirt, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a, a Hurricane shirt, yeah. which is great. That one's awesome. Um, and I also like, and I'm probably going to butcher it, you've got a shirt that says, we support local wrestlers, and I love that how each week on your website you actually like say, "Hey, this is so and so. They're a local wrestler. Like, go and support them." And I think that's really, really cool. Well, you know, and we we um, we try to create a marketing plan, and I, that was this was my partner Rod Hicks's idea, and I think it's it's brilliant. We, you know, the key to any business is to you know, market your business, market your brand, right. but, but you know, you got to try and do it in a cost effective manner. And so we were talking and, you know, I was relating to him back in the day when I first started wrestling, you know, because your, your value, especially back then was, was directly in relationship to how much, what your name on the poster motivated how many people to show up at the building that night. Right. And right. unfortunately when, you know, you first start out, you don't have a name, you don't have a brand, you don't have, you know, your name's not, you know, I wasn't even on the poster. I was plus one other match or additional all-stars. So, and I've told this story a number of times that back in the day, and I'm dating myself, but, you know, uh, microwave ovens were a luxury item. You didn't, you didn't just find these in the gas stations or, you know, just all over the place like you do now. Right. And um, there was a brand of frozen sandwich called Stewart Sandwiches. They were disgusting. Absolutely horrible. But when you couldn't afford to eat and you're hungry, you know, you pretty much, you'll, you have to eat anything. And, uh, you know, I remember Steve Austin saying something about, you know, eating some potato, eating potatoes and nothing else when he was in Memphis. So, um, they were terrible cold. Um, they were passable warm. So the trick was how do you heat it up? So I got a Boy Scout mess kit, the little tin uh, plates that, you know, clamped together with a little wing nut and uh, I would put sandwich in there and I'd take some muffler tape and I'd put the thing on the uh, manifold of the car and then drive and I'd heat up the sandwich. Awesome. I'd also heat up uh, Vienna sausages and Spam and uh, um, Devil Underwood ham. I don't like that. It's not good. But the chicken was good. Um, and, uh, you know, I realized how hard it was back then. You know, I mean, it was probably one of the greatest times of my life. I had the most fun, but at the same time, you know, it's tough. So, you know, I got to thinking about it and, you know, we were trying to think of ways to market the brand and put it in as front of as many eyes as we could possibly come up with. And so we came up with the idea of, uh, you know, sponsored athletes, wrestlers that, you know, they're not going to be able to show up at a show and get somebody to buy, you know, Joe, Joe Murphy's t-shirt, you know, or even Joe Murphy's eight by 10. You know, they're not going to be able to, you know, but that avenue exists. So if we can create a brand, a wrestling brand, that they can then stand there and we give them a code, a discount code to motivate the person to use the code, you know, they can stand there and then go, hey, um, you know, you, they're wearing the shirt, the, the you know, the uh, collar and elbow shirt. And we go, hey, and they go, hey, you know, you like the shirt, you can buy it. Um, here's the website and use this code and you'll get 10% off. And then... We'll track the, the, the purchase, and then they'll get credit for it, and they'll get five bucks for every shirt they sell. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, 
you sell a hundred shirts, you've made 500 bucks for doing nothing more than wearing a shirt that you're going to buy. You're going to buy a shirt anyways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, and you're, you're passing out a code to people, you know? And so now you might make a little extra money that maybe it'll pay for gas to get to the next town so that you can keep busting your hump and you can keep pursuing your dream and you can, you know, maybe one day finally get to a point where you can get on a big stage or a large platform where you can make, you know, your brand and you can now take advantage of it on your own, which congratulations, God bless you, you know, you know, and then we, we did another thing too, I think is really cool is that we, um, you know, we gave the, uh, people who buy a shirt, they can round up their purchase to the next, uh, closest dollar. So if it's eighteen ninety five, they round it up to 19 bucks and it, you know, again, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you multiply that over thousands of shirts, you know, it turns into a significant amount of money. And, uh, we donate that money to the cauliflower alley club and, Amen. you know, it, they've been around for decades and, you know, they are a charitable organization. They use the membership fees to help support their endeavors, which are, you know, to help former professional wrestlers and former boxers um, who are down on their luck and don't have money. I think just recently they bought a uh, handicap accessible van for a wrestler that couldn't afford it. You know, they helped him out with the purchase of the van that he could get around in, you know, and it, it so it's a way for us to give back, you know, through this brand to both the future of wrestling and to the past and, and, you know, I've been so lucky and I've been so blessed to get to do what I'd love to do for as long as I've gotten to do it. And now here's an opportunity. If we do it and we do it well and we build this brand well, that I can uh, still give back to wrestling that's given me so much. So. Well, and I think it's beautiful what you do with when it comes to the Cauliflower Alley, just because of the mere fact that I think it's an amazing organization. I like everything they do. Oh, yeah. And when I saw, like, I went, and I looked at your website for the uh, collar elbow because I was a fan and I'm not going to lie. I looked at some merch for myself, but also when it saw, when I saw everything you had for the cauliflower alley, I was like, wow, these guys are really giving back. And I think that's really awesome. And, uh, like I was saying about the t-shirts and things you do on the website for support local wrestling. We've got a yeah. good friend of ours, uh, whose name I'm going to leave out of the podcast, but you might be doing some T-shirt wor work with him soon. Mm -hmm. He oh, actually good. has a giant flag. It's black and white in his front yard, and it says, "We support local or we support indie wrestling," and yeah. it's right. I mean, it's the plainest day right underneath, you know, the American flag. And uh, I think that's awesome because I think you should go and support your local indie wrestling. And Absolutely. I, that's what Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about. Like, what do you think about indie wrestling today? I think indie wrestling today is probably the best it's been in years. And just your thoughts. Well, I you know, indie wrestling is, is you know, where you're going to find your next stars. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You know, you're, you, you have to give these the talent and the ability to uh, to uh, adapt to develop to get experience and to the most important thing that, that a, a talent has to do is develop their own voice create a, a persona a character a a way to connect with an audience that tells the audience who they are what they stand for and what they'll do in an attempt to try to win and not lose um, 
you know, in a clear cut fashion to the point where you, you can turn, this is absolutely, if anyone is in wrestling, this is absolutely essential. You have to be a character that you, the fans, can turn to your friends and family and go, you need to watch the show. There's a guy on there who is A, B, C, D, E. If they cannot do that, if you, you, you as a fan cannot turn to your friends and family and describe a wrestler to them that motivates them to want to watch, I don't care how good the wrestler is physically. I don't care how well he performs. I don't care how well he speaks. I don't care how big he is. You won't be successful. They won't be as successful, I guess, as you could be. Because at the end of the day, a wrestler's job is not to wrestle. A wrestler's job is to motivate you to leave your comfortable chair in your house, get in your car, drive to a building, pay money to park, which is insane, then pay a lot of money to get in that building, to sit in an uncomfortable seat you would never normally sit in, around people you would never want to sit around, to pay for food you would never want to eat to watch that wrestler do his job. Wow. Well, I, I mean, it's true. I mean, that's no. It's Deuce very and I true. do the same thing. Like we we try our best to go to the different armories and all these different places that oh, do these yeah. shows, and it's it's an awesome. Especially if you get like a, a really small crowd that you're like that are kind of checking out the the product. It's really great because you have this intimate moment that you're getting to share with people, like you said, that you never yeah. met before. Yeah, and you are totally random strangers, right. And you're sharing this moment with them just because you want to see that one. You're all guy, sharing that this one common bond that you, you love, know? exactly. And you're like, well, I'm going out of my way i want to see this guy i want to see what they do and you will go out of your way for that that's why during the attitude era i remember i was like man these guys have hit a level that i don't even understand uh at the time my father was a very very prominent member of a very very prominent country club and i remember he would take me along with him you know after uh, golfing events for whatever and i'd be sitting in the bar with him and people would be like Hey, hey, who's Undertaker fighting this weekend at the pay per view? And I'm like, are are you kidding me? Like, you you are a very prominent doctor, are very prominent, you know, lawyer, are very very prominent judge, and you're asking me like, hey, what's going on at the WWE pay per view this weekend or the WWF pay per view at that point? And I was like, man, this is so mainstream. It's cut. It is cut every cord. Like they're everybody and their brother. It always has been. It always has been. Just so you guys understand. It, 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 the, the beauty, the, the, the one aspect of wrestling is that it's so awesome in the fact that it cuts across age, uh, race, class, income, everything. It, people can connect and relate to wrestling on all levels. And, you know, I've had uh, professors of colleges I've had deans of colleges, I've had attorneys, I've had doctors, I've had plumbers, I've had janitors, I've had, you know, guys that didn't have a pot to piss in and a window to throw out of, um, come up to me from all over, I mean, literally all over the world. And, oh, I remember when you did this, I remember when you did that, oh, I remember, you know, uh, so-and-so did this to so-and-so. Hey, is Vince McMahon as much of an asshole as he really is on, you know, is he really like an asshole like that as he is on TV? Is Steve Austin really hate Vince McMahon? And it, it, it went from all walks of life, you know, and, and, you know, uh, you know, they say that the one 
one art form, the one American art form is jazz, which it is, but the other singular art form, uh, American art form is professional wrestling. Now we've, you know, professional wrestling existed in other places, but the style that's developed is predominantly from the American way of doing it. You know, it's, it's transcended borders. It's went all over the globe. You go anywhere you want to go. And it is the American style of professional wrestling of physically telling a story about winning and losing inside the ring where you connect emotionally with an audience and manipulate that emotion to its utmost peak. It's, you know, and, and it's the most awesome art form there is because it incorporates absolutely everything. You can be a rock star, a movie star, a stunt guy, uh, an action hero, uh, a leading man, a romantic figure, you know, a sex symbol, uh, you know, everything you can, a sports hero, all from the moment you walk through that curtain to the moment you walk back, you can be all of those things. You can be a clown, you can be a villain, you can be a hero, you can do every type of story that you can imagine you can do all in that ring, in front of an audience live. It only exists, unlike film or, or other mediums, it only exists in that moment. You, that, that, that moment that you share with an audience only exists for that time frame. It, it, people can watch a video of it, but unless they're there, unless they're there live with that moment to experience that connection, it, 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 it's never the same. Well, and I think that's happened a lot with our generation just because of the mere fact that we are the YouTube generation now. We are now the WWE Network generation. Like, I, I talk to people about things that you did, and I'm like, well, no, no, you weren't there at the moment. Like, you weren't there when it was going on. Like, you weren't the guy wearing the Al Snow t-shirt or the Job Squad t-shirt to Hell school yeah. every day. Yep. Like, like <laughs> you don't know. But uh, to that question, I ask you this, and that is, what is it like now in your career that you're in a generation with the WWE Network that almost, I think, a lot of your career is on the WWE Network? What do you think about that? I think it's great. I think it's awesome. You know, I um, I think that, you know, um, that wrestling has and always will be a mirror of what actual society is. And uh, that's always been the case. Uh, that'll never change. Um, and, uh, you know, um, it's the one medium or the one art that, you know, uh, has evolved and continues to grow with as technology does. And, um, you know, the fact that people just have more access to, you know, being able to watch more of a variety of things, you know, of matches and from whatever era they want, I think it's just great. I think it's, it's incredible. You know, um, it just helps to either... Uh, continue on uh, your efforts to build your brand or it helps to revitalize those efforts to another new audience that may never have known or seen or connected with you when, when the first time around. So I think it's fantastic. Well, I think one of my favorite things is when you started working for TNA as a road agent because we live here very, very close to Orlando. I actually oh, yeah. bought a season pass just so I could go to TNA tapings. And it actually was our favorite game was Spot Al Snow. And the guy that <laughs> spotted Al Snow first got a free beer from the other guys. So, uh, But I actually remember I took my mother, my father, and both my nephews because 
We we believed because I, I love my nephews to death, but at the time their mother and father were kind of very straight laced, if you will. And I was like, "There's no way in hell they're going to let me take them to a TNA wrestling taping. It ain't gonna happen." Yeah. And so I said, "Hey, is it okay if I take them to wrestling with me?" And they're like, "Sure." So a it was awesome because my other brother had to buy us beer because he had bet me free beers that they would say no. So we <laughs> took them. And at the time, it was during the whole, I believe it was called the EV 2.0 thing that was going on at TNA where kind of like the ECW guys were coming back. But I remember sitting there with both of my nephews and like things were going on in the ring. And then you came out and I'm like, oh, that's Al Snow. He's the greatest. And they're like, who is this guy? And then you stole like a Bob Wired baseball bat from somebody and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. <laughs> so, like, I was bringing a whole new generation up to, like, hey, this is the guy you need to watch because this guy is great. This guy is the best. And at the time, I think I think Abyss was in the ring at the mm-hmm. time yep. and some other guys. But I'm like, nah, yeah, he's all right. But that that's the guy you need to watch right there. And it was funny because when you came out, my dad was like, Hey, is that the guy you used to talk about getting head all the time? And I'm like, yeah, it's Al Snow. And he's like, I like that guy. That guy's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So it was a family affair. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because you mentioned earlier about technology. And there's, with social media, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, oh, sure. you've really been able to, like, open up the possibilities because – 10, 15 years ago, you could have been someone that's kind of working their way up the ranks, and you're not getting that spotlight, that attention yet. You know, you're not right on the card or whatever. But nowadays, you can be like promoting yourself. You can go and tweet something, hashtag something, and be like hashtag your hashtag, and and kind of build like a, a an army, if you will, like a fan base that's get knows who you are before you even make it really on in the spotlight, which is really neat. No, I and agree. I think that's something like, you know, Ring of Honor is, you know, another promotion that really is all about, like, social media. And it's really great to see that, you know, with the industry, the way it's changing. And you can reach oh, people sure. over the world in seconds. So I think that's really awesome. Well, I think a lot of that started years ago mm-hmm. um, when, you know, back when the, the really hardcore wrestling fans you know, when the onset of ECW was kind of uh, a creation of those type of fans, um, uh, and, the, and, and what you're talking about now with social media, it, uh, with with the wrestlers, that all kind of started uh, with like Rob Feinstein. I don't know if anyone knows, but he was like the one of the creators of Ring of Honor. Um, he started he was started his own business of you know selling VHS tapes at that time of other wrestlers from other shows and around the world, you know, Japanese and Lucha and, uh, you know, basically independent shows and helping to create that network of VHS tape trading helped create or, uh, a, a, a knowledge of wrestlers that typically, uh, you know, if you were wrestling in the Midwest or you were wrestling out in Arizona or California or, you know, somebody in the East Coast would never even know who you were, wouldn't know you existed. And, you know, it, it almost worked the same as the old Bill Apter uh, professional wrestling magazines, you know, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated and The Wrestler and things like that, where they were so instrumental in helping to create national stars and international stars 
the VHS tape trading days kind of carried that on and helped to do that. And now the social media is doing the very same thing. It's, you know, uh, uh, allowing professional wrestlers to market and uh, build a brand to a larger audience through those mediums. Well, and that's what? an amazing thing because uh, coming from a couple old tape heads like me and Johnny. Oh, yeah, tape uh, traded everywhere oh, yeah. all the time. It, it was awesome because we're like, hey, you've got to check out this Al Snow guy. You really need to see what's going on with him. And then Sunshine Network here in Florida started picking up ECW. Yep. And that was like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, now we see what you're talking about. But, like, it literally took – like. We were so far ahead of the curve that when people caught up, we're like, oh, man, he, you know, he's about to go to a WWF. Right. Like, he's about because to leave. Yeah. Between tape trading and reading magazines, because yeah. we grew up in a, our, our generation is, I think, the last generation that grew up. That, on hard media. On hard media yeah. before the Internet got popular. So because we're in our mid 30s. So yeah. we're, we're in that cusp where we're like we knew what it was like before the Internet really was a big thing. So the only way you could get me media is watch all the programs, watch the, right. the WWF Saturday Manias, watch all these extra shows and things in between. Right. And plus, go to your local 7-Eleven and get your your uh, wrestling magazines and right. you read everything going on. And you learn a lot, too. And I remember I, I, I got a tape trade from a friend who was in New Japan, and he's like, hey, you got you to gotta watch this Ultimate Dragon guy. And I was like, who's this guy? And, dude, grab, my, grab, the, grab the mask real quick. So he's my all-time favorite now. It's because my friend tape-traded me, and I got one of his masks right here, the Ultimate Dragon mask, yeah. Yeah, and you got multiple masks. I got multiple, but, like, yeah. I didn't know who this guy was. And, obviously, he got really big in America in, uh, um, in WCW, but it was like, I was like, this guy is incredible. Look at the. I mean, look at what he's doing. A lot of lucha stuff. You know, he, he was from Japan, but he went to Mexico and learned the, the technique there. And it was amazing for me because I was like, I'm watching all these people that I, didn't know who existed. You know, and it's It's just it blew my mind. I was just like, I was 15 years old. And my head exploded. I couldn't believe it. And and then then you see the and then you see them go on to a show or a promotion. You're like. <gasps> I saw this guy on a tape, in a VHS tape. I gotta go find it. It's, it's yeah. a really exciting moment, and I think people. But see, now that that what you're talking about, that love, that passion, that that honestly, that's you know what color album I wanted it to represent. I want that to you know for guys like yourselves, for me, like you know I remember because I didn't you know when I started there wasn't you know wasn't VHS and wasn't VCR. I'm really dating myself again. You know I, I started before there was even beta. You know. Um, in 82 and but when i did you know i i looked for everything i would if, if if wrestling was on any channel of the 13 that we had at the time um uh, you know prior to cable I, I would search it out and i would watch it religiously and i would every magazine i would study from cover to cover and you know read every bit of information that i could find i would go back and i'd you know dig up and look for old magazines so that I could, you know, find out about, you know, learn anything I could learn. And because I just, I loved it so much. And, uh, you know, that's, that's ultimately, that's, you know, what, what we're trying to do with the collar and elbow thing too, is, uh, is for guys like us, you know, it, it, cause I'm just, I'm no different than you guys, you know, other than the fact that I've gotten to do it, I've gotten lucky to do it, but I'm still just a fan. That's all I am. 
That's awesome. Well, I think I mean, that's what makes the night and day difference. And yep. like I said, that's the reason why I love the collar and elbow. Well, it brand. shows your passion. You know, it shows what yeah. you you've been able to strive all these years, and you're wanting to you know share the world your love and passion in the product. And I think that really shows. Yeah, so. night and day. Well, we've you know we've uh, I'm really uh, glad that it's been taken off, and you know we're just trying to keep uh, the momentum going and keep it building and. You know, and the better and the stronger we build the brand, the more of an opportunity every, you know, all of the guys that are now a part of it, the wrestlers, will have to make a little extra money. And, you know, nobody's going to get rich. None of us are going to get rich. But we can, you know, utilize this to, you know, help, um, you know, have a business that thrives, not just survives, and and uh, and then also assist you know, some of these wrestlers that are going to be the future of, of professional wrestling. You know, it's a talent business. It's always been the professional wrestler's business. Always, always will. It's never been the promoters. It's never been the writers. It's always the wrestler's business. And without these young wrestlers, have you know, being able to pursue what they want um, and be able to survive to where they can, you know, get enough experience and enough understanding um, to be developed into true attractions and stars, then the, the business isn't going to survive. Professional wrestling will cease to exist. Um, you know, and I, I love it too much to see it, see that happen. So that in some small way, even if it's just five bucks, if I can help, help keep moving it forward, then so be it. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Come check out the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce live at Free Play Florida. So far, we've got confirmed guests Billy Mitchell, Walter Day, George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost on Cartoon Network, Keith Apicary, Classic Gaming Wiz, and self-proclaimed Sega CEO, Scott Adams, legendary creator of text-based adventures, and our good friend Brian Colon, creator of Rampage and Arch Rivals. There will also be over 200 games at this event, including three 10-foot arcade cabinets featuring classic games like Star Wars. There will also be a console museum. Go get tickets at wp.freeplayflorida.com. Friday is going to be 25 bucks. Saturday is 30. Sunday is 25 bucks. Kids are, of course, five dollars. You can get the whole weekend, Johnny, for 60. And also, there's going to be an awesome Saturday night party which is $15, but it's going to be from 11.30 to 3 a.m., full arcade, music, plus live performances, and it's all at the newly renovated Double, Double Tree SeaWorld. So you definitely want to go check it out, and don't forget to tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild. Join the adventure with the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild. Founded in 2000, the Guild starts its 18th year of supporting and promoting the role-playing game hobby in September with a big anniversary party and some lightly structured games. The Guild hosts too many convention-style game nights every month on the 2nd and 4th Fridays where you can find up to four scheduled and prepared games plus up to three open tables all ready for a packed four hours of hobby-centered fun and fellowship. Among the regularly scheduled games on the LRPG's rotating calendar are three exclusive in-house ongoing campaigns, one exclusive in-house mini-campaign anthology series, and a few periodic episodes of members' personal home campaigns. The majority of those games are RPGs, 
But miniature war games hit the guild tables as well, along with the occasional board game. Some events also feature instructional clinics and roundtable discussions on a variety of game rules, techniques, and theories, so all participants can share their experience and learn more about the hobby from each other. The Guild also has planned gaming-free social outings on those random fifth Fridays that pop up some month. And of course, members of the LRPG take part in area conventions as players and game masters, as well as coordinate some activities with other gaming clubs. For more information on the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild, visit the website at lakeland-rpg.com or check out the social media at facebook.com slash Guild and on Twitter at LakelandRPG plus hashtag Dice on the Road. Lakeland Role-Playing Guild, they play games! Grove Roots Brewing Company, the official beer sponsor of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Find them in downtown Winter Haven, Florida. They're also on Facebook.com forward slash Grove Roots Brewing and GroveRoots.com. What we do, we're we're kind of brand ambassadors. Like we yes. we love to talk to people that are passionate about what they love, and we love to kind of share that love with other people. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why we started our podcast. So for those who haven't been to uh, the website, what's the website for your clothing brand? It's uh, collarandelbowbrand.com. Um, I kept it simple so I would remember it myself. <laughs> and Because uh, I can't tell you how long it took for me to remember, memorize my own uh, Al Snow Wrestling academy.uk.com um, but I finally remembered that one correctly um, but uh, you know it's just collar and elbow brand.com and they can go you know we have uh, I think five or six different designs plus we've got hats now and then um, I think in October we're going to um, release some new designs and um, you know uh, and a couple seasonal items we're each every about about every three months we're going to um, put out another four or five designs um, and uh, at least one seasonal item, um, you know, uh, one for fall, one for winter, and then spring, summer. Um, you know, and, uh, and while they're there, they can check out or they can go to Collar X Elbow uh, on social media and they can go to YouTube and they can see some of the videos we do to try and, um, you know, pay homage to... Uh, the history of wrestling and to you know the passion that we have for it um uh, the guy uh our media guy wes is very talented and and does some really amazing stuff i mean it's just incredible we're gonna we're putting together we're trying to gather up as many uh you know girls uh women wrestlers who to give us a short you know interview of what wrestling means to them um so that we can put that together in a montage of what it means to, to, you know, the women of wrestling to, to have an opportunity to get to do this. Um, you know, because I think, you know, for too long, you know, women have been kind of a, a sidebar um, in wrestling. And, you know, I've trained, God, I don't know how many different, you know, women, you know, Beth Phoenix and, and you know, uh, uh, Maurice and, and uh, Milena Roca and, uh, uh, oh, yeah, ODB, and uh, you know, uh, I can't remember. There's so many that, and they were always, you know, uh, such a significant part of the show. I mean, at one point, when I was writing the TV for the developmental in OVW in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, 
Um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, the women literally saved the show. They came out and, you know, took it from just a good show to a great show. Um, I've never been more proud of, of the fact that, you know, we did, we did the first ever women's wrestling uh, ladder match between Katie Burchill and uh, Katie Lee Burchill and uh, uh, Beth Phoenix back then. That was the first time that had ever been done, that, you know, two women had had a ladder match, and they were amazing, you know. Um, some of the best TV and the funnest and easiest TV to book and write was, you know, we did this women, you know, an ongoing women's segment, um, on this OVW segment that just, it was awesome. We told so many amazing stories and developed so many incredible characters and it was so much fun, uh, because all because of how talented all these women were, you know, and tough, you know, don't let, don't, don't ever buy or believe into that BS that women are the weaker sex. Cause I'll tell you right now. Women have children. They take this and they push it through that, which would be like you and I shitting a 10-pound pumpkin. And then they nip up right out of bed and they leave the hospital like a day later. In fact, I get a fight with them to put them in a wheelchair. Let me tell you something. If I push that through this, I ain't leaving for a year. I ain't getting up. <laughs> well, and I've got to give you a lot of credit because I'll tell you right now, the roster you just told me of women wrestlers that you worked with is amazing and phenomenal, and I've got to say, right now, women's wrestling. I forgot. I forgot three quarters of it. I couldn't. I couldn't. I can't. You know, um, uh, God, I can't. You know, half of them. I can't even remember what you know what names they are under up in WWE right now. I you know, there's a there's numerous ones. I can't tell you. Kelly Kelly. Uh, um, God, Victoria. What? I can't think of her name. Um, what, she's been up there for years now. Um, um, you know, and I'm, I'm so proud of all of them and, the, and all of the, all of the people I've trained, I'm, you know, so proud of them. And, you know, I've always told them that their success is mine. I, I'm, you know, I figure that that probably is going to be my legacy in wrestling is the, the you know, the people that I've trained, you know, all the, all the different wrestlers that I've trained that have went on to have some, you know, modicum of success. You know, I don't gauge their success on just whether or not they're in WWE. You know, I gauge their success on whether or not they were able to pursue a career and be able to do it for a living and nothing else. And I've had, you know, between when I had my own school in Ohio years ago and then my time with Tough Enough and with the developmental program and for WWE and, and Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, I have a very, very lengthy amount of a list of people that I've trained that have, you know, either been successful or become stars or become huge mega stars. You know, I, you know, I've lost count of the number of people that I've had, that I've trained that have, have been in or part of WrestleMania, you know, and, uh, I couldn't be prouder. No, that's one of the things you're doing with your, your school is that you're, you're literally like starting out with these people that are, passionate that they want to learn more about the business the psychology behind it the in-ring psychology and you're able to kind of help give them a push if you will and uh help them learn mentally and physically how they're able to uh break through and i think that's amazing you know and i think that's well, I what the world needs is good teachers you know and I, I well and you know the key to all that and the key to anything is passion you know, you can have all the tools no matter what it is, no matter what the subject matter is. You can have all the tools. I've seen, I don't know how many guys that had all the tools in wrestling. You know, they, things that you can't teach. 
You know, you can't teach height, you can't teach size, you can't teach muscularity, you can't teach charisma, you can't teach good looks, you can't teach, you know, uh, you know, just an innate thing that they have when they go to the ring. You can't teach those things. Had them all. They didn't have passion. And I've watched every one of them fail. You know, I've been around long enough to literally watch people leave, come back, leave again, come back again, leave again, you know. And, uh, and, the, and the, the failure always revolves around their lack of passion. Because those are the untangibles. Because it sounds yeah. like every single time you met somebody, you could see the untangibles. Like, hey, this guy's oh, got can. this, 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 and this. Those are the things I can't teach them. Those are the things they have to have coming out the gate, and they've got it. But them. I've seen, i got to tell you, I, I've seen numerous times guys that had none of that. Didn't have one single tool in the bag, and they went on to become major successes because they had passion. Well, I think that's great. I think it's the one thing that keeps everything going. It's the one thing that keeps our show going definitely all the way to 300 episodes, which we are glad to celebrate, Mr. Snow, with you. Episode Thank number you. 300, you being Mr. 300. Uh, oh, and you know what? I just I got to tell you guys this, too, because I cracked me up. I, sometimes I do stuff just to entertain myself. I put on a tweet out tonight that said that if success in pro wrestling was easy, it would be your mom. Because uh. <laughs> Well, that is definitely that is uh, we call Johnny the king of the dad joke, and that would yeah. be definitely a dad joke, Johnny joke, right oh, yeah. there. But yeah. I, I completely and a hundred percent agree. Uh, we, uh, Mr. Snow, thank you so much for coming on the show. We would love oh, to you. have you back on the show again. Now that we've got all your information, we'd love to have you back on. But tell all of our friends and our fans. How can they find you? How can they find Collar Elbow? How can they find all of your stuff? Well, typically, it's pretty easy to find me if you just go to the post office. I have a picture on the wall, yeah. or <laughs> you can watch America's Most Wanted. They do a profile every once in a while. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm the real Al Snow. Yes, the real Al Snow, because there were some fake ones who I did message and say, look, come on, guys. If you're going to fake being a celebrity, aim higher, for God's sakes. I mean, really. You're going to want to be me? Who? who? Come on. I don't even want that. Come on. Let's, let's shoot. Let's lift the bar. So, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, The Real Al Snow. If you want to follow Collar and Elbow, it's uh, Collar X Elbow at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Um, come check us out, uh, see something you like, um, check out some of the, you know, we do feature Friday, which is where we feature some of our sponsored athletes to try and help them build themselves and, uh, uh, give them more of an opportunity to get out there and reach more of an audience. Like we talked about with tape training and, you know, all of that, um, and help market them so that they can have a better chance of, you know, pursuing the dream and, you know hopefully someday, you know, reaching that, you know, level that we all want to be on, which is in WWE. So, cause it's the biggest platform yeah. there is. So that's the major leagues. Basically. I think if you're in wrestling, like once you get there, it's like getting to the MLB, like you've made. It. Yeah. But you got to know what you're doing. You know, you got to know what true. you're selling. You've got to, you know, you've got to understand the innate and intrinsic things about professional wrestling. And you know, 
unfortunately these days, uh, you know, we, we talk about how great indie wrestling is. In one fashion, you know, it's doing really well. But in another fashion, you know, the talent themselves are departing so far from the very things that they need to truly know and understand um, to be able to capitalize on the opportunities that they receive. And, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, it, you know, that's something that I'm hoping to try to change with, with the wrestling school and, uh, and, and teaching what it is they really need to know as opposed to, you know, what they're just happening to be taught. So, you know, we hope, you know, we hope that it will continue and, you know, professional wrestling will go through another boom period like it did in the late nineties and early two thousands. You know, it's a cyclical business and it goes up and down and, you know, I think we're due for another big boom at some point in time. Well, I'll ask you one more question before we finally wrap it up. I, uh, in my personal opinion, think we are on the biggest boom right now since the Attitude Era. Do you agree or do you disagree? I don't agree because, you know, we don't have the crossover like we did in the Attitude Era. You know, if you think about it, if you just want to do numbers-wise, you know, the Attitude Era, there there were two major companies that were selling out every week. Um, you know, uh, huge houses of 20, 30,000 people, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people every, every week. Um, you know, one company at the height, WWE was doing, I think, sevens and eights as ratings, and WCW was doing fives and sixes, you know, on the same night. You know, that's, you know, they were out doing ratings-wise, the NFL, WWF was, you know, so, you know, to say that we're we're on the same, you know, a boom period that's bigger than that, I mean, that's it's kind of tough, you know. Um, um, do we have the potential to be? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, um, that opens up a whole another can of worms of what we we really need in wrestling right now, and to to cap, you know, to take go over that bar and go to the, that 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 point again. Absolutely. I'd say what? Go ahead. No, I was going to say to open up that can of worms. Then what do you think would be that? Because I feel like ROH and New Japan and WWE are are trying to get over that. I think New Japan always trying. Yeah, always trying. But I mean, you're never going to beat Attitude Era. Period. Like end of the day, there's way too many channels on your dial to ever beat attitude era but doesn't matter doesn't matter don't make excuses okay doesn't doesn't matter don't make justifications don't make excuses it doesn't matter because if it did then game of thrones wouldn't be the success it is if it did then walking dead wouldn't have been the success it's been if it did breaking bad would not be the success it is using justifications or oh the attention span of the audience or oh there's too much of a variety or oh there's too many different mediums or oh this or oh that or hey let me pull something else out of my ass so I can you know come up with a reason it comes down to a very simple thing and that is is that you need two things and it doesn't matter what or how you tell a story you need these two things they are absolutely essential you need a protagonist, a baby face, a good guy, a hero, someone who you, the audience, want to live vicariously through. Absolutely the most important thing. If 
you don't have that, you don't have anything because you can't get what we call heat. Heat is a want, a need, a desire to see the person you want to be overcome, triumph the antagonist or the bad guy or the heel. And in order to do that, you need to have a genuine, true heel. You need Vince McMahon so that you understand. And you need Steve Austin. Everybody wanted to be Steve Austin. Everybody wanted to live vicariously through Steve Austin. Everybody related to Steve Austin. Everybody thought they were Steve Austin. They said his catchphrases. They bought his T-shirts. That's how he made a ton of money. They were carried in JCPenney's, Walmart, Sears, all through the mall. You couldn't go anywhere into any store and you didn't see a Steve Austin T-shirt. That is essential. It's, it, it, you can't get around it. No matter what you say, no matter how you try to spin it, you need those two things. We don't have those two things right now. We especially don't have a heel. We don't have a Vince McMahon. And until we do get a Vince McMahon, until we get a dragon that we want to see the night vanquish, we will be where we're at. I tell it's you, amazing. it's interesting, too, because, you know, what you're essentially saying it's between having an antagonist, a protagonist that creates heat. It can cre it creates conflict, right? And conflict is something that you want. You want right. to be able to see that, right? And right. you want to be able to see that uh, paramount into something big. And I, I think there's there's a few guys. But the essential part of the conflict is that you, the audience, want to see the hero triumph in that conflict because you identify with the hero. That's essential. Right. We think about it like this, and I always use this as a parable for, so that you can understand it. We walk outside your house right now, we see somebody with a can of gas standing next to a car. It ain't your car. They're pouring gas on it, and they're lighting the car on fire. What are you going to do? You're probably going to either call 911 or you're going to film it and go, World Star, that's going to be about it. Why? It's not your car. You have no investment. You don't right. care. Now we walk outside, we see your car. And the guy's standing next to it with a can of gas, and he's lighting your car on fire. What are you going to do? You're probably going to run over and try and stop him. Why? Because you're invested. It's your car. If we walk outside right now, we see somebody standing next to your car with your wife and your children and your dog in that car, and he's setting that car on fire. What are you going to do? You're probably going to run over and try to kill him. Why? Because you have more of an investment. You care more. Do you understand? So now your good guy, your baby face, your protagonist is a car and it has to be made your car. Doesn't matter how good your protagonist is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what he can do. Doesn't matter how fast he can drive. Doesn't matter how sporty he looks. It doesn't matter what kind of, if he's got an automatic or a manual, doesn't matter if he's got big tires, doesn't matter how much horsepower under the hood, ain't your goddamn car, you don't care. And that is the job of the guy who's setting fire to the car. He picks the right car in the parking lot, makes it your car, you care about it. Now, all he has to do is one thing. All he has to do is scratch the paint, and you want to kick his ass. It's true. Yeah. No, that's definitely true, and it's awesome getting this knowledge dropped on us by... Al Snow, it is. because you're it's right. Awesome. Like everything you just said, 
basically it takes my argument that I gave you, chunks it up, balls it into water paper, and shoves it in the trash can. And you're right. You're exactly right. Because without the things you just said, none of the none of the want doesn't matter. You're exactly nothing matters if it isn't just like what you just said, which is amazing. And we thank you so much for coming on this episode. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. And hey, if anybody wants to check me out, I now am doing magic for the blind. It's a way also for me to give back to the communities. I go around to VFWs and, and K, you know KOAs and different places, and I do magic for the blind. They love it. it they love, you know, I I do it for you, but it's just not the same. I, you know, I say ta-da a lot because if I don't say ta-da, they don't let anything happen. But they love card tricks. Like, you know, I'll be like, hey, is this your card? And they'll be like, no, I don't know. And I'll go, it is. Ta-da. And they're like, how does he do it? It's amazing. <laughs> so if you have a chance, you see me, you know, well, you may not see me. But if you have the opportunity to attend one of my magic shows for the blind, please stop by because they're incredible. I do some amazing tricks. Well, definitely. And like I said, always go by and see Al Snow. If you ever see him at an event, he is amazing. I'm going to hit you up tomorrow you on email so you can send us all your sure. information and pictures and stuff. But seriously, Al, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Thank you so, so much for being Mr. 300 himself, being yeah. on the 300 episode. We really, Mr. really great. Yes. <laughs> and we, we we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule as yes. well as t thank you so much from wrestling fans. Yes. Thank you so much for – Dropping a, all the dropping knowledge, knowledge but also being able to help pioneer the legacy of professional wrestling in the new generation. Uh, thank you, we thank you guys. That. And anytime you want to do it again, please let me know. I had a great time. Well, we awesome. will definitely, definitely do that. Thank you so much, Mr. Snow. And like I said, again, it's episode number three hundred. I can't believe it. I can't believe we made it this far. And thank you so much, sir. I wish you guys uh, a three thousand more. Thank you so much. We want 3,000 more, too, so we hope that comes true. <laughs> you, have but, a, you have an excellent night, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, guys. All right, later. Have a good one. Bye. Well, that was the amazing Al Snow, who came on the show being Mr. 300 himself. Yes. Definitely, you need to check us out at HH Podcast Show. You need us up at hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. Also, you can find us at Facebook.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast Show. You can find us at SoundCloud.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast. Of course, when you're on the Twitter machine, there's not one, there's not two, but there are three hashtags. Hashtag Happy, Happy Hour, Hour Podcast. Podcast. Hashtag HH Podcast, Podcast Show. And hashtag Deuces, Deuces on, on Loose. Later. See ya.